All right, let's go straight to the Word. Go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 5 through 6. Get your Bibles out and get there, and amen me when you get there. Chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Awesome. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I love you. God, I praise you so much again, this, this church, the people of this church, God, the encouragement that they give me. I just praise you for that. I praise you for, I praise you for adversities. I praise you for storms that we have to go through because, God, I know that on the other side we're going to be so much stronger because you're in control of it. I thank you for being with me every step of the way that I've had those battles. God, I need everybody in this room to know, no matter the storm that they might be going through, you're there, and you promise us that we'll get to the other side. Father, I just claim peace and joy over this church. I claim safe travels, as I know a lot of people are traveling this time of year. I ask that you keep our congregation safe. I just, I love you. And I praise you. Again, even in times of doubt and confusion and defeat, I praise you. Even in times when I lack courage or when I falter, I praise you. Because God, one thing I know is I am your child and I know that no matter what, victory is always with us. Father, in this moment, I ask that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God, I need your confidence today. I need you to take all doubt and worry away from me. God, anything that's blocking me from giving your word, right now, Father, I just ask that you take it away. God, give me your courage, give me your strength, and give me your guidance to give your word. Praise you, and I love you. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us forgive. Amen. I don't know who put this box of tissues up here, but thank you. Thank you. But yeah, probably Mama Maya. You're right. Uh, all right, guys. So we're going to continue our series on Warrior Conversation. We kind of took a break from that last week. I, I, and y'all forgive me on this. I know some of y'all are keeping up with it, and you're like, okay, one week we're doing the the series, and the next week we're not, one week we're, okay, you get up here and try and preach this stuff, okay? I need a break, all right? I, I need something nice and joyful. That's why I did Mercy last week, okay? But this week, we're back on that topic, and today's message is sexual lust. Mmm. That's everywhere, right? That's a big problem. Just know this, it's not just a big problem today, it was a big problem in the Old Testament, Okay? 
we're going to learn from some of that today. And I tell you guys something else, too. You know, I've, I've had some, <laughs> I told a few people that's what I was preaching on this week. I, I was talking to a pastor this morning about it. He says, man, you sure you want to preach on that? And I told him, I said, man, I'm going to be honest with you, and this is the honest truth, guys. I need you all to catch this. I looked in the mirror this morning, and I realized I don't have much time left to preach. And I want to explain. I'm getting gray hairs, like right here. It's the only spot. And nowhere else on me, period, is a gray hair. But this I noticed. So, so God's been pointing this out to me. And, and I noticed it a little bit, you know, a, a while back. But now it's gotten, it's gotten bad. Like, it's really in there. And, you know, th- last week I tried to, like, like, shave them all out, like kind of pick at it with an electric shaver. And, and this whole thing was gapped up. It was pretty bad. But anyway, what I'm getting at is, is I realize I'm running out of time. I'm getting older. So, so I really don't care what anybody has to say. I'm just going to preach what God puts on my heart. Amen. Okay, very good. We'll continue from there. I need you to understand right off the bat that lust does not begin in the heart. It begins in the eyes. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, King David woke up one morning, or excuse me, one evening, actually. He was taking a nap in the evening. must be nice to be king, just take a nap in the evening, you know, because, you know, you ain't got nothing else to do. You got people doing everything for you. But he wakes up and he sees Bathsheba, okay? Bathsheba was a beautiful woman. Now, he's on the roof of his castle. He looks down somewhere out there looking over his kingdom, and he sees Bathsheba taking a bath. Beautiful woman, right? My question is, is not did he look, because it says he looked, but how long did he look? He had a choice in that moment. He could have gone back inside and, and started praying, right? Like, like what you should do. Amen. But instead, he probably went and got binoculars. It's probably what happened, because obviously this thing started to spiral into the wrong direction. So uh, nothing but destruction followed after this, guys. I mean, as soon as he saw Bathsheba, everything just fell apart. Most of you know that story. I'm not going to go into full detail of that, because i got a lot of other things i got to cover. But if you get a chance, go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you've not read that whole story, go to it, read it. When the opportunity for lust creeps in in your mind, you have to discipline yourself. You must discipline yourself. I have two words that always work, always work. In all of these moments that you have an opportunity to lust, these two words work. And I need you all to remember them and memorize them. Don't look. Can you all remember that? Don't look. Two words. If you look, you're capturing a memory, and you'll start to compare If you're married, God never intended you to compare your spouse to anyone else. That is not what God intended. The lust lie is I can look and not touch. Guys, you can't window shop in this area. I'm going to show you some verses. We're going to start with these. Psalms 101, verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. When you read this verse and it's telling you biblically to not put anything wicked before your eyes, I need to ask you some questions. What movies are you watching? What are you looking at on your phone, your computer, your iPad? Where are you spending your nightlife? Go to Proverbs 27, verse 20. 
Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. If you're looking at things negatively, if you're following lust, that's hell and destruction and it's never full. In other words, your eyes are never going to be satisfied. God can satisfy your eyes if you follow his direction. I want you to notice, guys, where these two scriptures came from, these two verses, who these authors were of Proverbs and of Psalms. That's King David, that's Solomon, okay? That is two men that obviously know a lot about lust. I'm going to prove to you guys I'm going to prove to you guys that it starts with a look. I'm going I'm to go to the, let's go to Matthew 5, 28, Nick. Okay, I love this verse. But I say, anyone who ever looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, a lot of us have heard this verse, especially most of us men. We look at this. Now, women, I need y'all to understand this also goes for y'all as well. If you look at a man with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. But there's three words and I've highlighted them here, that stick out to me in this verse. Three words. Look, lust, adultery. It starts with a look. It turns into lust. And then a lot of times, that lust will turn into adultery. He put those in order. And this is Jesus speaking. He's trying to show you that a look will turn into lust, and lust will turn into adultery. You have to protect your eyes. Again, two words. What did I say they were? Come on. Thank you. I want you to look at this verse and see how serious Jesus takes lust. The very next verse, 529. So if your eye, even your good eye, you know, it's funny, I think about this. My, my boy Kirby back here in the back, he's got a good ear and a bad ear. So if you ever go up to Kirby and you're talking to him in his bad ear, and when you see him later and he doesn't remember anything, it's because you talked on the wrong side, okay? He has a good ear. Just always remember that with Kirby. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. This is Jesus speaking. He takes it that serious. The very next verse says that it's better for you to lose one part of your body and still get to heaven than all of your body going to hell. If your eye is causing a problem, y'all do me a favor, don't gouge it out. I don't think he was physically telling you to gouge it out seriously. But what he's trying to tell you is, is it's that serious. Lust, again, lust turns into, thank you, adultery. Look, lust, adultery. The verse right before that. I need you to understand there is nothing wrong with admiring God's beauty. Okay, this is where this is a touchy subject. Um, for instance, um, if you see a beautiful man or a beautiful woman, and you look at them and you immediately admire beauty. Okay? 
there's nothing wrong with admiring beauty in someone or something. Here's why that is. God made that. The problem is, is we take that beauty and we turn it into lust. That's the issue. The minute that you start to undress someone with your eyes, you have been defeated. It is time to don't look and get out of there. I'm going to come back to that because I know I've been saying don't look, and then I just said admiring beauty. We're going to get to this. Y'all bear with me on it. Um, in some ways, so how are some ways I can defeat the wandering eye? A lot of people ask me this question. This was brought to my attention a long time ago by one of my mentors. I thought it was really good. We were discussing this exact topic. We had a dear friend who at the time um, was, was having an affair on his wife. And I was really struggling with it, and I wanted to go talk to this guy. Well, this mentor of mine, I called him in because I knew he had dealt with it before. And I said, man, give me some pointers on what to say to this guy, you know. <laughs> and one of the things that he told me, and it'll it, 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 it make you a little sick at your stomach, okay? You only have one wife in God's eyes. You only have one lover in God's eyes. So the minute that you look at another woman or another man, I need you to understand that is literally your brother or your sister. That's sick. Why would you look at your brother or your sister that way? God did not intend that. You only have one wife and you only have one lover. So my suggestion to you men and women that have this issue, the next time you try to do that and you're looking at somebody and you're about to undress them with your eyes like it's kind of sick to me, I think, I'm like, that's my sister. And Hannah, I love you. I didn't mean it like that, but I'm just saying like, that's my sister. Like, you shouldn't really? Think about it, guys. Think about it. You have one wife. God intended you to have one. The other thing that I always try to explain to a lot of men, because that's obviously who I deal with, guys. I'm saying men a lot because that's who I deal with. That's who I counsel. This one always strikes a nerve in them. It always gets them. When you're in that moment and you're about to lust at a woman... If you have a daughter, what would she think if she's standing next to you in that moment? Even if you have a son, is that the example that you want to set for your son? I was talking to somebody earlier today, and we were discussing a couple that this man had an affair. His wife took him back, graceful and merciful. But she made him go tell his son what happened. Guys, don't put yourself in that situation. Can you imagine speaking to your children that way? Having to tell them how bad you messed up? Me and him were visiting about it, and here's the thing. He was telling me, he was like, man, if I told my son that, he'd beat the mess out of me. And that's the truth of it. If my father would have come to me at a certain age and told me that, I don't know how I would have handled it because that's my mom, right? So the next time you're in that situation and lust creeps in your mind, that's two ways that you can accept and hopefully it'll get you thinking in a different direction, right? Don't look. 
That's the best thing to do. Again, we're going to continue on with that. There are three ways that sexual lust will affect your life. I've got three things that I want to discuss. The first one is lust will affect your family. It will. I want y'all to notice I didn't put on here that it might. I said that it will. Whether you think you can hide it or not, I need you to understand. Every sin, God says this, every sin will be shown in the light and shouted from the rooftops. You can't hide sin, guys. Here's another lust lie. I can keep my lust private, and it will not affect my family. Most men and women think, well, as long as I'm not committing adultery, and I can keep my pornography or my wandering eye hidden, I'm good. No. You, in that moment, just allowed Satan in. If you're looking at pornography in your home, if you have a wandering eye out and about, and then you bring that thought process home, you just opened the door and allowed Satan right in the door. And the thing is, guys, it's not you you got to worry about. It's Satan attacking your family after that. Because that's what he'll do. He's not going to attack you. He's not. He's already attacked you, and he's already won. You just let him in your home. So now he's going to attack your family. See, that's where a lot of people mess up. They don't think about that. Men, women, I keep I'm trying to always say women, men and women, if your family's going through a tough time, if there are situations going on in your home, you need to think about it. Have I allowed lust into my mind and into my home? See, guys, that's how he works. That's how the evil one works. If you just give him a crack, just a crack, he's coming in. I want to explain something to you guys. <laughs> Who in here knows what inequity is? Inequity. Show of hands. Who knows what inequity means? That's good because I didn't know either. I had to go look that one up. Inequity is mentioned many times in the Bible. It's a gross, wicked act or a sin. Okay? I want to go to Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger. And abounding in faithful love, forgiving inequity and rebellion. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's inequity on the children to the third and the fourth generation. I need you to notice that it says fourth generation. That's your great-grandchildren. It's your great-grandchildren. The perfect proof of this in the Bible, who's actually who we visited about earlier, was King David with Bathsheba. As soon as he lusted at Bathsheba, number one, I'm going to tell you, everything fell out of place because, see, his lust turned into adultery. His look turned into lust. His lust turned into adultery, and that adultery turned into murder. And it affected generations. It says in here that it will affect up to the fourth generation, and I need you to catch this. King David, up to his four generations, catch this. This is three descendants plus himself. 776 wives and 330 mistresses. That's over 1,000 women. 
between four men. Like you ain't got nothing else to do. Golf was not invented. But think about it. A thousand women between four men. And I know some of y'all are looking at me like, yeah, but in biblical times, yeah, no, 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 no. A thousand women. There's a problem here, guys. And it started with Bathsheba. It started with a look. And it turned into a thousand women in four generations. And you know, I have a feeling, David, you know, they say he's a good looking dude, but I bet the mother three wasn't that good looking. I don't know how you, you know, you're just powerful, I guess. I don't get it. But a thousand women, 330 mistresses between four men with one look. This also affects your spouse mentally. It destroys your spouse's, his or her's self-confidence. If you have a wandering eye, it will affect the spouse. If you watch pornography, it will affect the spouse. And if you commit adultery, I assure you, it's going to affect the spouse. From that day on, you have a different spouse. She or he is affected in their mind. They're constantly thinking, am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I handsome enough? Do I say the right things? Did I upset them today? Did I say something wrong? Did I lead them in the wrong direction? There's so many things that will start creeping into their mind, guys. Their self-confidence will be shot because it started with a look on your part. That's how it will affect your family if you lust only and that you don't act on it. If you act on this lust, it will affect your family. It will destroy your family. It will cause divorce. Your kids will hate you, and your friends will hate you. I want to add one more thing before I go into the next point. And I'm going to talk about this real quick, and I'm going to get off of it. But pornography is a drug. This is the thing that I see a lot. It's not even so much adultery. It's pornography now. It's a drug. It's just like alcohol. It's just like heroin. You're trying to satisfy an appetite is what you're trying to do with pornography. And it is an appetite just like drugs and alcohol that God never intended you to have. If you have that appetite, you need to understand that never came from God. You have been defeated somewhere along the way, and you need to fix it if you have that appetite. Get help. That's another thing, guys. Get help. Don't think that you can handle it all on your own. I'm not saying you can't, but I promise you it's easier if you have a brother or a sister that you can go visit with and talk to and fight through those problems together. Do not have that appetite. The second thing that lust will affect... Lust will affect your relationship with God. That's obvious, right? It blows my mind how people think that they can live in lust and still have a strong relationship with him. In order to have lust in your life, you have to open the door for so many other sins. Lying, deception, manipulation, fear, doubt, unbelief. If you allow lust to control your life, you're opening the heart, your heart, for a family of sin. See, that's what lust does. It, it's not just one sin. All of a sudden, you've got all these other sins that follow along with it. You've allowed all that to overtake you. 
and in some cases to overtake your home. The number one characteristic of someone who is living in sexual lust is lying. They become a liar. I want you to think about it. You have to sneak around to do it, right? You have to. Pornography, you're not going to watch that in front of your spouse. You're not going to have an affair in front of your spouse. Even if you have a wandering eye, and again, I need y'all to know this affects the spouse. If you have a wandering eye, think about it. Just think about it. Good-looking woman walks by, good-looking dude, and, and, and you catch a glimpse, and you keep looking, and, and then, and then you, your spouse is with you, and you're sitting here, and, and they're walking by, and you're looking at them, and you keep looking, you keep looking, and all of a sudden you see your wife looking right at you. <laughs> We've all been there. Even your pastor. Satan knows that he can get us with lust. He knows that. It's our flesh. He knows that. He will attack you with that more than anything. Because it's, it's a desire that you think you have. And again, if you let him control you, it will turn into the desire that you have. It turns into that appetite that I was talking about. Sexual lust also affects young couples before marriage. I want you to get this one. I want to explain this to you. Let's say you have a young couple. They say, well, we're in love, and we know we're going to get married anyway, so what's the difference if we go ahead and do this now? I mean, what difference does a piece of paper make? Absolutely nothing. That piece of paper means nothing. But I need you to understand what makes the difference is the blessing of God. Premarital sex is putting that couple out of God's order. And we all know that our God is a God of order. Those are things that you, guys, I promise you, especially in this category, if you follow God's order, peace will always come behind it. Always. We'll go to Mark chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Okay, we read this not too long ago. I was discussing this whenever we talked about, um, uh, 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 I think it was false idols. Yeah, it was false idols we talked about this because we were talking about lust a little bit in there, and that's what I realized was when I preached on that sermon and I talked about lust, I was getting a lot of questions. So that's when I realized i got to preach on a whole dadgum thing about lust. Like, so, so, so that's why we're doing this today. But the thing is, guys, I need you to understand, in God's eyes, the moment that you become one flesh, that piece of paper does not mean anything to God. The moment that you become one flesh, you are now one. You are now married. So I said this at that sermon, and I'll say it today, and this is for the teenagers that are listening and that are here. Be very careful. Because if you've already done this, or you're thinking about doing it, in God's eyes, you're married. You have already become married. And if you've done it with more than one, you have now committed adultery. 
premarital sex forces you to start sneaking around. All of a sudden, what the young couple thinks is harmless becomes the beginning of a lying affair. And it gives them a small taste of what sneaking around is like, which in the long run, after their marriage, could become an appetite for other people outside of the marriage covenant. This happens a lot. If you are this young couple and you're, you're having premarital sex, and obviously, again, we're going to go back to it, you become a liar because you're having to sneak around. You're not going to let your parents know, right? Obviously, you're not going to let your parents know. So you're sneaking around. It's fun. It's exciting. That's how you think of this. That's what lust does. It makes it exciting, right? So you get married to this couple, or excuse me, to the man or woman. You get married. This couple gets married. Two years down the road, the excitement runs out. You've already done it once. You know how to do it. You know what it feels like. It's that excitement. So you do it again. You sneak around on the spouse and you find somebody else that's different. And you think, well, now, now, I'm, now I'm happy. Now I'm in love. So you divorce that one and you go to another one. It won't be two years later, you'll do it again. Premarital sex is something that, again, will affect you and affect the spouse for your entire marriage if you're not careful. I know that some of you, I'm, I'm probably, I know I'm, again, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm aiming at your heart. And I know a lot of us are guilty of some of these things that I'm talking about. But again, like I said, I'm going to preach what God puts on my heart. I know that this is a tough subject, but that's what we do, right? Christian Warriors Church, we talk about the tough subjects. I'm almost done. Let me get through it. Number three, what lust will affect. Lust will affect your future. I'm going to start with one again. Lust will affect your family. Lust will affect your relationship with God. And then lust will affect your future. Proverbs chapter 7 is all about how adultery can deceive us. Uh, this chapter is a story about a man uh, that is being seduced by a woman in sexual sin, and he finally gives in to this woman. I want you to take a look at the end of verse 23 from Proverbs, from Proverbs 7. He doesn't know it will cost him his life. I suggest that you go pick up your Bible and read Proverbs chapter 7 at some point. I, I didn't have time today to read all of it. I just wanted to point out this one verse, but I promise you, you need to go read it. Everybody needs to read Proverbs chapter 7. Put that down in your notes. But again, the last thing that it says in verse 23, he doesn't know it will cost him his life. So here's this man who was struggling. This woman was trying to seduce him the entire time, and he finally gave in. But what he didn't realize, again, is that it cost him his life. Guys, I believe in all my heart, if I don't protect this area of my life, now I'm talking about me, if I don't protect this area of my life, it will take my life, okay? That doesn't mean that I'm going to physically die, but here's what it means. It could take my family away, 
It could take my friends away. It could take my job away. It could take my happiness away. It could take my peace away. And most importantly, it can destroy my relationship with God. It'll take all of that away from you. And in turn, it took your life. It'll leave you alone. It'll leave you stranded. Guys, I'm telling you, this is a big, big problem. I see this all the time. I said this in that sermon. 90% of the counseling that I do is something along these lines. So what that tells me is, is I'm going to say that's how Satan attacks 90% of the time. We have to be prepared. And the way that you can fight this are those two words that I started out in the very beginning. Just don't look. That's it. When you catch a glimpse and all of a sudden you see your mind, your mind's starting to spin and you're starting to think, don't look. Immediately turn your head. Immediately walk away. Me and Bojo talk about this. When we go to the gym, we wear a hat. Now, listen, I know I look cool in a hat, but that's not why I wear that hat to the gym. I wear that hat to the gym so I can put my head down. Me and Bojo were discussing this a while back. There was somebody that was at the gym that had come to the church a couple times, was kind of looking to see if they wanted to come to the church and so forth. And there was a chance that one of us could have really glanced at someone that was in the gym with us. But instead, head went down, hats covering the eyes. And when we look over to the side, there's that person. See, I have to think that way every day that I'm in that gym or anywhere. If I'm glancing and I've got a wondering eye and I'm looking at something over here and you guys see me do it, what does that tell y'all? Well, my pastor's doing it. Why can't I? It's not that big a deal. Listen, I was involved in a church that the, the, the pastor was doing things he didn't need to do. A lot of this stuff that we're talking about right here. And I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of men followed that. A lot of men. I refuse to give you men an example like that. And I'm going to tell you right now, one of you men, if you catch me doing it, you call me out. Because this is too big a deal to me. It's too important. You guys having a wandering eye will destroy this church. We have to stay focused. Don't look. Period. The next time that you have that opportunity, and I know, guys, I'm sorry, I keep talking to men, women too, both of y'all. Y'all are just as guilty as we are. I don't care what you say. So, so men and women, the next time that that situation comes up and you're looking at somebody, I, I really want you to envision this, guys. I want you to think about it. I want you to hear your pastor's voice screaming at you, don't look. Don't look. Every time that it, it, you get a chance and it walks across your path, hear your pastor. Or do these other things that I told you. Envision your kids standing right there next to you if you're a father or a mother. 
You're not going to gawk at somebody if your kid's standing right there. I hope not. Good gosh, if you do that, I'll come down on you so hard. Do not do that, guys. That is, you're trying to set a major example for these kids. Major example. And remember, it goes to the fourth generation. And I know y'all, a lot of y'all say, well, Micah, that's Old Testament. We're under grace law now. I get that. Trust me, but I'm going to tell you right now, this much of this book is here for a reason. It's for us to learn from. These are the mistakes that a lot of our fathers went through before us, and we need to take those examples, and we need to learn from them. Do not let it affect the fourth generation down. Understood? This is serious stuff. This is what Satan will do to you. He will take your family away. He'll take your job away. He'll take your friends away. He'll take your relationship with God away. And it all starts with what? A look. Don't look. A lot of y'all know the story of Samson and Delilah. Samson was <laughs> completely fooled by Delilah. I, I mean, you know, Samson, here's what I always think about with Samson and Delilah. Samson was the strongest man in the world, right? Most of y'all know this story, had long hair and so forth. So, so first of all, you, you know he like Fabio, right? He was like Fabio on steroids. I mean, basically is what he was. I mean, this dude was bowed up because he was strong as all get out. He had long blonde hair. Okay, so, so, so Fabio, Samson, because he's that guy, you know he had every woman gawking after him, right? Like cool-looking dude, had every woman gawking after him. But he noticed Delilah. She must have been a beautiful woman. And she fools him into, literally, guys, it took his life. Put him to death. Lust did that to him. Samson is not alone in the history of men falling to lust. And I need you to know right now, guys, Delilah is still out there cutting the hair of men today. Be on guard. Be on guard. I want to close with a few scriptures. I want to go to James chapter 1. This is verses 14 through 16. I'm going to pull them up here. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brethren. Do y'all know what brethren is? It's my brothers and my sisters. I hope I'm getting this point across to y'all today because this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do what James is telling me. I'm supposed to be like James. I'm supposed to let you guys know that it's these types of things that will birth death. It will birth spiritual death. And again, it can leave you alone for the rest of your life. No family, no friends, no job, no relationship with God, if you allow it to. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is, no, excuse me, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. There's a lot of sin that this book tells you to fight. 
and to stand against. And you can do that. And to stand against the, the evil one and to stand against these certain sins that are thrown your way. There's not many sins where it tells you to run away. Run. Run. You want me to tell you why he tells you to run? Because he knows that our flesh can't handle it. There's no way. Run from sexual sin. Lust will overtake your mind to a point where you will do stupid things. You will think things you've never thought before. I'm watching this show right now, and I shouldn't be watching it. I'm fixing to be, like, admit these stupid shows that, that I watch every once in a while. But there's this show, and, and this woman is being cheated on by her husband. He started an affair. It lasted about two years. He continued to lie to her and lie to her about it. it made her feel like an idiot, Okay. Number one, and I tell you, I was watching that last night, and I literally looked at my wife, and I'm like, how can a man do that to the, even if he doesn't like her anymore, he doesn't love her anymore, and he has no feelings for her anymore, how could you do that to the mother of your children? I mean, literally drove her insane to where she was going to an insane asylum. How could you do that to your children? I don't, men are, women too, y'all are sorry sometimes, like it blows my mind how you can be that hateful and that evil. But here's the thing. This woman, she goes psycho, right? Gets out of the loony bin. Husband completely takes her out of everything. She gets nothing in the divorce. And this was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire doctor lawyer. She goes crazy and kills him. This one literally put him to death. Literally. Now, here's what's sad is it started with a look, again, turned into lust, turned into an affair, which in turn caused him literally his life, but also her life, the wife. He did that to her. That's what Satan does. Now, in saying that, she, we wish she would have been strong enough on her walk that she could have fought that. And let me tell you something. You can fight that. It does not have to affect you in the way that the spouse may want it to. You can fight that. I've seen it. As long as you've got God on your side, you can fight that. Keep looking to him in any type of situation that is that dark. Because as a child of God, you'll know it's that dark. And you'll know to go to the light. And he will pull you back, and he'll protect you through that situation. Amen? I need everyone in here to understand if you have fallen in this area of sexual lust, God will always pick you back up. But you have to want him to. You can't keep going back to it. You must truly repent and not fall back into that temptation. Again, I know this is a touchy subject. I know it is. I know that there's people that have been affected in this room by this and online by this. I, I've, I've talked to a lot of, of people that have dealt with this. Again, I need you to understand, it's not too late to fix the problem. Don't let it be too late. Fix the problem. 
if you're a young adult who is not married and you've, you've committed this sin of, of premarital sex, I promise you, now that you know the seriousness of it, the biblical seriousness of it, it's how you handle it from here forward. Maybe you didn't have that knowledge and wisdom. Maybe you weren't taught those things. But now you know. Get on the right path. He's forgiven you for that. Same thing with anybody else in here that may have had adultery or looked at pornography or any other sexual sin that's out there. I need you to know that that is something that if you want to can be yesterday. And today can be a completely new day. But you have to want it. And you have to truly repent of it and run from it, just like it tells you right there. Run from it. Don't even get close. I have seen people bounce back that have had those issues. One of our Christian warriors uh, that's on the board, that was on the board, he was here a couple weeks ago. He'll tell you, he'll tell you real quick his testimony. I love it about him. He doesn't care. He wants you to know because he wants you to know that people can bounce back. This man had multiple affairs. He's one of the strongest godly people that I know. He had to make a decision. Either I'm going to continue to live this life and spiritually die and maybe physically die because that's another thing. You, never mind. I'm not even going to go down that, that, that walk. But there are things out there that can cause you to physically die, obviously, and you'll know what I'm talking about if you continue to do stuff like that. But that man made a decision. I can either continue to go down that path or I can start to be the light for somebody. That man, I was counseling another man about two years ago who was having the same issues. And we were really fighting through this. I was trying to help him out. And he comes to me one day in a session that we were having. And he says, man, I talked to this guy the other day, and he really was the light for me in this. And it happened to be the Christian warrior that I'm discussing. So again, he had an opportunity there of either continuing down that path or being the light for this gentleman and so many more when it comes to sexual sin. So if you have fallen in this area, again, God will pick you back up. But you got to want it. You got to desire that. Amen. Grab a pen and paper. I'm glad that sermon's over. Whew. Go ahead, Nick. Love is the great conqueror of lust. I'm going to explain that. It's like I said earlier. You're lusting at someone. Think of your wife or your children next to you. That's, that's love. And if you think about that, it's going to take your mind completely off of this over here. Right? I've said this many times when you're fighting Satan. You have to have a counterattack for every single attack. Because he's going to attack you in so many ways, right? I always describe it this way, and a lot of people make fun of me, but how many of y'all are Harry Potter fans? Raise your hand. I love Harry Potter. No, are y'all serious? Y'all are, you got to go home and watch, y'all just, it's terrible. 
Harry Potter is probably the greatest trilogy ever put together. It's better than Star Wars. Get over it. It is. It's better than that. It's better. Okay. So, so in Harry Potter, there's this thing called the Patronus charm. Okay. There's these things called what Death Eaters, I think is what they are, and they're attacking Harry. And the only way that you can defeat the Death Eaters is you have to have the Patronus charm, which is thinking of a happy thought. Love will conquer that lust. You get in that situation, think of something that you purely love or someone that you purely love. If you can't thank anybody, your pastor loves you, okay? Just thank you, pastor, because he loves you. 